raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Good morning, 93 WIBC. This is the Kendall and Casey Show. Democrats in Colorado have spoken. The establishment is delighted. Republicans are united in their opposition. The country is ablaze, and we're going to cover it all for this edition of Kendall and Casey. Obviously, they are out, both Rob and Casey. I'm Ethan Hatcher from Saturday Night on The Circle. Sitting opposite me is Tony Kinnett from the Kinnett cast, which you can hear Monday to Friday, 7. And that only means one thing. If you look at who's in which chair on the YouTube live stream, that means that Hatcher is filling in for Rob Kendall, and I am filling in for Casey, which means I am the more beautiful of the two. Uh, I just want to let you all know I appreciate all of the fan mail that I'm receiving. I'm ready to be on the next WIBC calendar. I mean, we're we're, going to be honest here. You're completely right. I'm obviously the scruffy one between the two of us. You are neatly manicured, well presented. That's true. You're you're just landlord Rob Kendall. (laughs) Somebody in the comments once said, uh, I'm I'm the slumlord pimp of Indianapolis, like walking around in purple robes and canes. Uh, (laughs) Like like Kramer. So, okay, Colorado has decided to set itself on fire. Now, again, Biden has decided to shove his uh, dementia-ridden loafers into uh, the mouth uh, by telling everyone that, look, uh, there's no question that Trump committed insurrection. Trump Trump has not been... Uh, not been charged. He's not been charged, nor has he been convicted on insurrection in right. any way, shape, or form. You got to be charged before you could be convicted, and they haven't even passed the first step. I no. have that clip of Biden uh, yawning and you know mulling around and saying that that Trump was an uh, insurrectionist right here. Trump an insurrectionist, sir? Well, I think it's self-evident. You saw it all. Now, whether the 14th Amendment applies, I'll let the court make that decision. But he certainly supported insurrection. No question about it. None. Zero. And uh, he seems to be doubling down on about everything. Anyway. Am I so out of touch? No. It's the children who are wrong. That's <laughs> just fantastic. <laughs> I got to ask you, at, at what point do they really believe that this isn't going to backfire? That was, that was the theme well, of last night's show. Uh, that's the question. And we're going to get into that later, later in the show, because that's a theory that Ron DeSantis is kind of floating around. And I tend to agree. This was something that I had postulated dating back to the first um, indictment. And then certainly as they began piling on from there, it seemed like Democrats would be well aware this is galvanizing support for their opposition in Donald Trump. So maybe this is, in a weird way, what Democrats want. So we'll we'll be getting uh, into that later in the show. Ron DeSantis, of course, also speaking in Iowa about um, uh, the Colorado decision and and making an excellent point. If we can start just removing people from the ballot willy-nilly, well, what about Biden for his constitutional violations and failure to uphold the border? Look, if somebody's convicted or something of of some of these things, there was no trial on any of this. They basically just said, what, you can't be on the ballot? I mean, how does that work? What's the limiting principle for that? Uh, Why could could we just say that Biden can't be on the ballot because he let in 8 million illegals uh, into the country and violated the Constitution, which he has? Uh, Could we just say, oh, well, they have uh, money coming to Hunter or whatever? So so I think the U.S. Supreme Court is going to reverse that. 
So uh, I have a little bit of a secret for you. I have spoken in the last 24 hours with representatives from Texas, Louisiana, Kansas, uh, Nebraska. Uh, there's one more that, oh, and Arkansas, if I haven't mentioned them in the list yet. Wow. And uh, there are motions that are being considered uh, in the meantime that would remove President Biden from the ballot as an official legislative measure because they suggest the president has at least aided and abetted the uh, deaths of Americans by uh-huh. not responding to the southern border yeah. situation. And again, what about his uh, fundraising for Iran, the donating billions that the State Department has admitted several times now endangers American lives and the lives of our allies? Oh, yes, we understand Iran is funding the terrorists, but it's okay. We'll give them billions of dollars anyway. So are you not aiding and abetting? I- I'm sure that there's a case to make, but there is a if you're if you're going to apply the, the third mm-hmm. section of the 14th Amendment to the president of the United States, which, by the way, it does not apply to it does not end. <laughs> They literally wrote earlier drafts of the amendment and crossed sections out that applied to future presidents of the United States because they realized that that was garbage. There is no legal precedent that says that this applies to that in any way, even if Trump was tried and convicted for insurrection. So all of that aside, there is no situation here. And and again, Mitch McConnell said in 2013, I don't like Mitch, but he said in 2013 when Harry Reid enacted the nuclear option, which said you only needed 51 votes now to appoint people to federal positions, Mitch McConnell said, and I quote, you're going to regret this, comma, and you may regret this sooner than you think. And we are seeing this play out in real time. The Democrats remove a precedent because they think they're going to one up Republicans, and they forget that Republicans hold majorities and are getting more pissed off by the day so that they are actually finally, finally doing things. Because that's the complaint. Republicans are never going to do anything and write a strongly worded letter. I've said that myself. But it looks like in some cases, again, they're passing bills banning child porn all over the state, all over the country. And you're seeing different bills brought forward, which do actually slap Democrats back as hard as they're hitting Republicans in some cases. Let's also think about the context in which the amendment was written, of course, to address the Confederates, which we'd just gotten done with a civil war and prevent them from retaking and influencing the direction of the federal government. So why on God's green earth would they give the enforcement power back to the states that they're attempting to prevent from taking over the government? Oh, now we can just remove any any old union soldier we don't want like no that's not how that's not how that amendment was supposed to function and many legal analysts are pointing this out including democrats including former opponents and open critics of donald trump like attorney general bill barr pointing out the inconsistency of this ruling and how it's just a legal mishmash that lacks sense or basis the core problem here is the denial of due process in to deprive somebody of the right to hold public office requires due process. It requires an adjudication of two core issues. One was there an insurrection. Did the public disturbance rise to the level of an insurrection? And second, what was the role of the of the individual in there? Was it engagement? Did they do something to break their oath of office? Those are those are complicated facts and this was denied due process. It was a five day hearing there was no jury. It was before the judge. They they were not able to subpoena witnesses and compel the attendance of of witnesses. They relied on you know the hearings, the January sixth committee hearings, which is mostly hearsay. There's no there was no right to cross examine during those hearings and so forth. By the way, the the three Democratic ju- uh, justices who dissented, their opinions I think are masterful. And as they pointed out, they said you know, the process here was a procedural Frankenstein. 
is a usurpation of voters' rights to make their own decisions in the election. Even open critics of Donald Trump understand what a flimsy argument has been foisted by the Colorado Supreme Court. And members of the Colorado Supreme Court, which you heard Bill Barr just cite, the, the, the Democrats who dissented. Fortunately, there were sensible voices in the crowd. <laughs> right. I, there is just no situation here in which this actually plays out well for the Democrats. And I see kind of a very weird uh, kind of broken victory lap that's being run by a lot of left-leaning media outlets that are claiming some kind of early victory. Boy, that's some tortured logic. And it is it, it is incredible because they do not realize either by ignorance or by choice that even individuals who so like well, let's talk about me i'm not a trump fan however uh this makes me i was telling my wife yesterday evening before we went to bed that going as a guy who was planning on voting for desantis in the primary that was my plan i, I think i like a lot of his policies and his governance watching what is going on here makes me want to vote for trump just to watch him get four more years in yeah. spite of all of this nonsense. And if I'm coming to that conclusion, there are millions of independents around the country that are following the same logic. Because again, Biden, all he has to do is is not screw this up for himself. And he's been doing so consistently in opposition to any chance he has over the last several months. It's really funny to watch. So that's the question here. Is this accidental? Is the plan backfiring? Or is it purposeful to galvanize support for Donald Trump, who they genuinely believe they can be de can be defeated in the general election? Is it a trap, as Admiral Akbar would say? No, it's, it's not a trap. It's the left moving too early like they always do. The left always moves 10 to 15 years early on something, and they think they have all the support in the world and then they realize that you know what the world is not downtown la and new york and dc that there actually are parts of the country where people don't think in the half-witted brain empty ways that they normally progress and they call us flyover country ridiculous right. thanks for listening to 93 wibc ethan hatcher and tony kennett filling in producer carl on the board beep, 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 pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function in the next segment we're going to talk about something i i think we've all been peripherally aware of but this is just confirmation that yes they they are watching you. We'll tell you who coming up next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I love Arrested Development. Good morning, everybody. This is the Kendall and Casey Show. It's 920 after the hour. I'm Ethan Hatcher. That's Tony Kinnett. And this segment is about confirming your deepest, darkest fears. I was I was so excited to send this one to you. So uh, It's do, real. Do you mind if I run with this one? It's real, Tony. As, as the Ministry of Truth on Twitter, <laughs> I feel like I actually get to say this one. So all Go of ahead. you out there who have smart devices, you have your Amazon Alexas, your Google Homes like we do, or maybe you just have your, your cell phones. We have noticed for years now that mm -hmm. every once in a while, like if I'm talking to my wife and, and uh, I, uh, we both love to cook, 
and I start talking about how I really wish that we had um, like one of those flower sifters that like you squeeze repeatedly and it like sifts the flowers. About a couple hours mm. later, though I have never typed those words into my phone or any device, I'll start seeing advertisements for those kind of things, those kind of flower sifters on Amazon. Yep. If I talk about a movie, all of a sudden I start seeing ads for it. And everyone with half a brain said, well, it's clear our devices are listening to you. And so people asked Alexa, are you listening to me? And she wouldn't answer or she would give you some policy, some privacy policy. Uh-oh. Google Home would straight up just tell you no. And now, according to a marketing team with media giant Cox Media Group, claims that it has the capacity to listen to ambient conversations of consumers through embedded microphones in smartphones, smart TVs, and other smart devices to gather data and use it to target ads. And they call this, quote, active listening, end quote. That's right, folks. I knew it. Big Brother is watching you, and he wants you to consume. I knew it. I I, I mean... This has happened to everybody at some point, and you thought it was creepy. Like, for me, when I really noticed it uh, a couple months ago was when I was talking with uh, one of my employees uh, in my property management, and we mentioned Little Caesars, which is not a place that I go to. I haven't been in more than a decade, and literally an hour later, here comes ads all over Facebook and Google for Little Caesars Pizza. You know that they're listening, but of course, uh, Cox Media Group says that they don't listen to any conversations or have access to anything beyond a third party, aggregated, anonymized, and fully encrypted data set that can be used for ad placement. So don't worry, they're spying, but it's anonymous. Here's why this is BS. So uh, there are people (laughs) in the comments of the live stream over at youtube.com slash WIBC. Uh, where you can look at our beautiful, ugly mugs that are saying, well, why don't you just use an ad blocker? Like the issue is the ads. And and that's a fair criticism, you know, because look, I use, use you, I use ad blockers. I don't like seeing ads when I'm browsing online. That's not the problem. Because according to the U.S. Patriot Act and the NDAA, which Congress just passed in a bipartisan faction, or in a, excuse me, a bipartisan measure, the government does not need a warrant to observe your behavior through devices connected to the internet, which means if you say the words AR-15 too many times, you could be flagged by individuals in your state, say the state of Illinois, which is trying to ban AR-15s, and therefore you could be flagged for investigation and an unlawful search and seizure by the federal government because this is exactly the stuff that the ATF has been caught doing. That's right, folks, 27 times in the last 10 years. That is not an estimate. That is not a, a useless aggregate. 27 times the ATF has utilized the Patriot Act to issue no-knock warrants on American citizens based on shoddy, spotty information that they might, might have weapons or accessories that violate uh, some kind of unconstitutional federal firearm provision. So now that you know, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to possibly extricate yourself from this technology? Because I know the phone's spying on me, but I'm not getting rid of my smartphone. I know Google tracks me, but I'm not getting rid of my Google account. So does that mean we're just now completely beholden to the corporate overlords who are parsing through every minutia and detail of our lives? 
I, I, I bring I, back I to the point to people time after time after time again. <laughs> you do not have to give the government this authority. And by the way, I love smart technology. Well, it's not even I the do. government, though. This is a private business. Cox Media Group isn't a federal government. Right. But again, the federal government has access to that. My, my closing point, and again, this is coming at a time when organizations are banning people from using their services for political means and things like that. When you're seeing uh, sites like Vimeo and Ticketmaster... Uh, and, and several other of those services that are rejecting individuals from using their platform. My problem with this is I really like smart technology. I do. I A lot of my home is, is Google Homed. A lot of our lights are smart. A lot of things are connected to it. It's incredibly convenient. But what we have reached a point in is organizations thinking that people will keep these devices in their homes when these problems start to become apparent to the public. And again, a conversation that I've had with my wife very openly is that we won't keep these devices in the house. I may love technology. I may love having the convenience of smart homes, but it's not worth being observed by Big Brother. And that's one of the reasons I'm on Android and not on Apple. 93 WIBC. If you needed further confirmation of your deepest, darkest suspicions, we now have reports, and we knew this for some time, that names of Epstein associates will include former presidents. This in this is in regards to a civil lawsuit, uh, details of which are set to be unsealed. More than 170 names thrown on the sacrificial pyre, but will this quell the outcry for more investigation, or will Will it only uh, uh, further uh, uh, call cries for that? Anyway, here are uh, here's the report from News Nation talking about former presidents potentially, or well, not potentially, being on that list. We're here outside the uh, federal courthouse here in Lower Manhattan, and this is where Judge Loretta Preska has ordered that January 1st release date of more than 170 names associated with a civil lawsuit that was settled uh, some time ago here. Uh, but many of those names that will be released are Jeffrey Epstein's close friends, associates, and some of his victims. Now, the judge is also allowing those individuals uh, who would like to keep their names concealed or redacted uh, to file an appeal to make their case before the release of those names in less than two weeks. Now, many of those names that will come out certainly are known and notable, including a former president. How embarrassing. Wow. Okay, I mean, we knew what was going on. I don't want to talk any more about the justice system until Bill Clinton is locked up for pedophilia. Right. And that, that is not a crazy thing. That has nothing to do with a tinfoil hat. That is a legitimate point that Bill Clinton's name is on the Epstein list for having traveled to his child sex trafficking island. This isn't an island. This isn't like the Denver airport thing, right? Where there's like a small private military area and then the rest of the, the, the airport is open. So it's not like Jeffrey Epstein's island is like King's Island and there are a ton of rides. And then over here in the corner is the child sex trafficking ride. There's like a t like. The entire point of the island was there are children running around in like ancient Greek togas servicing everyone on the island. That was the entire point of the island. If Bill Clinton is on that manifest, especially for repeated times, he didn't stay on the aircraft. Bill Clinton actively participated in pedophilia and child sex trafficking. He shouldn't just be thrown in prison for life. If he participated in pedophilia, he should be hanged in public. That is what any sex trafficker, any child abuser should have done. Hanged by the neck until dead. And Period. This, this was a semi-open secret going back for years. Not even Donald Trump was talking about it in 2015. Recent clips of that unearthed that I totally overlooked at the time. But people were aware. People were aware. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. But first, Kurt Darling with the news. 
raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good morning. It is 33 minutes after the hour, as Casey likes to say here on the Kendall and Casey Show. <laughs> You may have noticed, though, my we voice keep up tradition. We're conservative. That's right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you may notice that my voice doesn't sound as smooth and as luxurious as Casey's, nor am I as beautiful. Uh, Ethan Hatcher, who's filling in for Rob Kindle, does not. We're all you guys have this morning. But you know what? The news is just interesting enough. You might want to stick around. I'm Tony Kinnett. Good morning, Hatcher. I don't know if you saw Vivek Ramaswamy. It's Vivek. Rhymes with cake. Okay. That's uh, Vivek rhymes with cake. That's how you say it. All right. I so, remember he told me. He told me in a rap. Okay. So Ramaswamy uh, has yet used has used yet another political thing in the United States to bash DeSantis <laughs> and to bash Haley. Don't I mean, me wrong. But, I'm all for but, bashing but Haley. But is he wrong about this? I kind of think he might have a point here. Set, the, set so, the story up for me because I'm 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 not even. I'm not even in the mood for him. Go ahead. As you know, Colorado recently made a decision for their voters to remove Donald Trump from the primary ballot. Uh, this, this handed down from SCOTUS and Vivek Ramaswamy immediately seizing on an opportunity said, aha, well, I'll just withdraw from the ballot and I demand every other Republican follows suit. You know, this is just a cheap way to get attention because we know ultimately it's probably going to be overturned by the Supreme Court. So this is just a gesture, but it's a good gesture. And that's what politics is largely about. And now he's kind of casting some shade on Ron DeSantis because he won't follow suit and withdraw from Colorado. So here was what he said uh, being interviewed by a Forbes reporter, if memory serves. I think this is about something bigger than just the election. This is about basic principles in this country. We the people are the ones who choose our U.S. president. That's the way it works in the United States. So So if you can have unelected judges in a particular state using their own theory of the law when somebody has never even been charged, let alone convicted of an insurrection or otherwise, to make their own interpretation to keep somebody off a ballot, I think that's the beginning of the end of the democratic process in our constitutional republic. And so I would say, I want to make a point, is It would be a lot more convenient for me if Trump weren't in this race, but that's not how I want to win. And any other Republican that's trying to win that way should be ashamed of themselves and I think has actually revealed themselves to be something other than what they claim to be, which is a a true patriot who stands for our constitutional principles. I mean, I kind of agree here. I think uh, Mm. some unity... Would be good. He so he he had me and then he lost me because where did, where this did he is, lose you? Okay, though? so first of all, the 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 oh well the the problem is that the judges are unelected. Um, I'm sorry, I hate to tell you guys this, but most judges are in this country at the state and federal level are not elected. They're not supposed to be. Direct democracy, where every single thing, every dog, stump, and tree needs to be elected, is is bad argument. But that's Vivek. Vivek has like read the Constitution once and thinks he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> What I agree with him is that, yes, was the action unconstitutional? Is it gross? Absolutely. 
Then he goes into his attack of the other candidates. Here's my problem. Well, he didn't name any other candidates. That's my problem. <laughs> That's my problem. Vivek really wants to punch DeSantis, but he kind of can't because Vivek and DeSantis on a policy level yeah. kind of agree like 99%, except that Vivek believes you can shut out the entire world, build a 40-foot raw around the United States continental and just kind of pretend the rest of the world doesn't exist okay we're not in third grade that's not how the world works but other than that he and DeSantis are like really close but he still wants to punch DeSantis because DeSantis actually has governing experience and I I, I, I felt Mike Pence coming out of my lungs as I said that but that's not entirely false it's not that Vivek doesn't really know what he's talking about he flip-flops every 15 minutes Vivek is the populist's populist he says whatever he thinks is popular just to get people's goat. Yeah. That's what he does. Where I got a peek behind that curtain was in the fourth debate. Because I liked Vivek. Actually, Vivek was supplanting my support for Ron DeSantis because in the first three Republican de uh, debates, Ron DeSantis was almost a non-entity, which greatly disappointed me because I believe in his record of success in Florida. But, but Vivek was a much more compelling presence up until debate four. And the, the, mo the big moment for me where he just completely lost me was his closing statement where he stood his ground and said... Uh, the great replacement theory is not a conspiracy. It's a reality. And he just struck. It's just populism. Moment, it's Clayton Bigsby, though. And this is He's a real life Clayton Bigsby. This is absurd. Anybody who believes in the great replacement theory would surely apply it to him. Here's why, it, as, as a governing individual, I really like Trump and I cannot stand Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy. Because when Donald Trump got into office, when ISIS started messing with U.S. individuals overseas, he tweeted a picture of an American flag, and he shot a missile through someone's skull. That's what I appreciate. That is looking at the world as it is and doing real foreign policy. That's a good move. Vivek, Vivek's like, well, I don't know how many boats the U.S. Navy has or that I would need. Dude, you're running to be the commander-in-chief. And you then he's know calling the out people works. for not knowing specific cities that they yeah, want to bomb. Dude doesn't know what, how, what even the types of ships in the U.S. Navy are, yet you want to govern the U.S. Navy. Look, should he have called out Haley? It's very clear Nikki Haley has really not called out the Supreme Court of Colorado, at least not for a couple days afterward. She was the one who came out after Bubba with the whole NASCAR situation, was like, I condemn this noose hanging in the garage of this NASCAR driver. That ain't right. And, and everyone was like, you're stupid. That's who you criticize. DeSantis came right out and said, this is unconstitutional. It's pushing us closer to civil war. And realistically, Vivek is just kind of, oh, I'm going to revoke my name from the ballot. Okay, you're polling at 2.5% in the majority of states. You're right, running to gesture. be you're it, running it, to be Trump's VP. So like what it's a way to reset the conversation which Vivek needs to do. But here's how we know he was specifically going after Ron DeSantis because here was Ron DeSantis saying that he's not going to remove his name from the ballot. He feels it would be caving from the left and he's going to gather as many delegates as he can because he needs them. And real quick, fellow GOP 2024 presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy saying he will remove himself from the Colorado ballot unless Trump's eligibility is restored. Would you do the same? No, I think that's just playing into the left. Um, I think the case will get overturned by the Supreme Court, but I've qualified for all the ballots. I'm competing in all the states, and I'm going to accumulate the delegates necessary. That's the whole name of the game in this situation. Fool this man! I'm kind of with Vivek. I think a little bit of party unity, especially in the face of such an aggressive attack on our electoral process is merited here. I'm not, I'm sorry. No, no, I, no. Okay. I, look, you're, look, at what point, why do I have to, after having gone through the stress and the, the intense work, I think personally, 
in my opinion, based on how he has governed, I think DeSantis would make a phenomenal president, period. And I want him to be the next nominee. Is he going to be the next nominee? No, Probably he's not. not. But, mm. but that does not mean that DeSantis needs to bow out because people are attacking Trump. That's not how this works. Trump is not owed my loyalty. I don't owe him anything. I, do I like Trump? Yes. Will I vote for him again in the general? Absolutely. I'll do it with a smile on my face. With the way that things are going, I might buy a red Make America Great Again hat and wear it around town because I do think that he's under attack unconstitutionally. But does that mean that I had I need to like owe him my loyalty and if I don't bow down before Trump, I'm somehow a traitor? No. This isn't, I'm not five years old. We're not on the playground and I'm picking who my best friend's gonna be. This is American politics. I want the country governed and I wanna be left alone. I don't owe someone loyalty because they're throwing punches. That's silly. And neither does any candidate out there. Well, I think, but you know, everybody understands here that the Supreme Court with a conservative majority is almost certainly likely to overturn this ruling in short order. And they so better, and not, for, and not for the Republicans' sake, but for the Democrats' sake. The, the, the real reason that the Supreme Court needs to overthrow this is because Arkansas, Texas, and basically every state south of the Mason-Dixon, probably Indiana, Idaho, Montana, and the Dakotas are very likely going to kick Biden off the ballot if that's not the case. Mark my words, this is help for the Democrats, not for the Republicans. Well, there's broad consensus that this is an incredibly badly conceived uh, ruling from the Colorado Supreme Court. Again, even drawing criticism from open critics of Donald Trump, like John Bolton, who said exactly that, the Colorado decision, badly conceived. I think this, this Colorado Supreme Court decision is badly wrong for multiple reasons. Number one, the, the 14th Amendment provides that Congress can pass legislation to carry uh, its provisions into effect, which Congress has done on many aspects. It has not put anything with respect to Section 3 on the books uh, since just after the Civil War. Uh, second, the, the idea that uh, 50 different state courts can can decide a question involving the highest elective office in the executive branch interpreting the federal constitution as to what constitutes an insurrection against the federal government uh, is is incoherent and i think undoubtedly the supreme court's going to have to clear that up as you elicited, if this ruling is allowed to stand, it will throw the electoral process into chaos as now states are removing candidates on a partisan basis, which is not how elections are supposed to run. We're not, well, we didn't used to be a banana republic, but we're quickly turning into one at this rate. And I also want to point out, because I've seen, you know, the idea of civil war trending and the people think that there's going to be some huge military clash and that's how it's all and, going to and, fall and, apart. And Hollywood, friggin' Hollywood oh, trying to cash in on about that. that. I, I, oh, we'll, we'll talk talk about that at another point but the, the entire issue with the whole civil war thing is that people don't realize that how the united states will actually fall apart in the future is just a group of states saying no and the federal government's trying to send the army in and the army and the national guards of those areas just looking and saying like no like you again as someone who has spent a lot an ungodly amount of time around guys in several branches of service it's split politically and a lot of those individuals are not going to go establishing order against a Republican governor over something in a kind of a sham chase like this. So the Democrats think that what they're trying to do is push the country into thinking that the Trump supporters are all a bunch of insane people who want civil war. What they don't realize is that people just want to be left alone and they don't want to be left alone to like have drag shows with kids and high inflation. They want to be left alone 
where they think their borders are secure, the nations at large are not fighting with United States foreign policy aims, and also I want to be able to buy groceries. And I'm sorry, but they see that as a zero-sum game with Trump v. Biden. This Colorado thing is not helping them out at all. It's just making Trump look more sane. That's only going to help him electorally. Well, and the thing is, the military being comprised of members from all 50 states would not follow through with an attack on their own on their own country, let alone their literal home territory. So it's, it's not going to happen. I agree with you. That that all impugns the nature of our military. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not seeing it at all. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kinnett filling in on Kendall and Casey. Coming up next, we'll talk about uh, that scandal. Aiden Zorowski. Zerp- uh, Um, Of course, being caught on tape, defiling the Senate hearing room, now being defended by some leftist journalists in the most obscene way imaginable. And we'll tell you how they're gaslighting the situation coming up on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Carl, you've been putting on some absolute bangers. I was just going to say that. Carl's killing it, man. Thank you. Carl's killing it with the bump music. I love this. It's 49 minutes after the hour here on 93 WIBC. I'm I'm not Casey Daniels. Uh, I'm actually Tony Kennett, um, much less talented and uh, certainly not as knowledgeable on quite a few things. But Ethan Hatcher and I are filling in here for you guys today so they can have a little bit of a well-deserved break because can you imagine Rob Kendall having to cover this following headline? So there, uh, oh man, Um, I'm sure that we've talked quite a bit uh, on 93 WIBC already about the Senate hearing situation. Aiden Zorowski, Casey and I were discussing that story earlier in the week. Okay, so while I'm not like some members online who have said like, oh, I've watched it multiple times, I haven't seen it once (laughs) because- I didn't uh, seek it out. (laughs) um, I I don't watch porn, especially not gay porn, so uh, I'm going to- pass on that it's not my genre uh no i uh but i will say that i really do appreciate over the last couple of years the crowd that ran around telling us love means love and oh guys all all we want in the lgbtq movement is just to be accepted and just to be like you know treated like you and everything and and this is the kind of stuff that we have been treated to yeah i mean this is the kind of stuff that has become the norm well If you want equal treatment, look, if you are a heterosexual couple shagging in the Senate hearing room or if you are by yourself treating your body like an amusement park, it really doesn't matter one, none or multiple partners. The act is the problem and you should be ousted and punished for that incredible indiscretion. And look, there are a lot of people in in Indiana media on the left that think, you know, and I've said on Twitter that I'm some kind of homophobic, bigot, terrible, horrible, blah, 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 blah. 
And uh, I will point out that the very last story that I published on the Daily Signal yesterday evening um, is defending a gay teacher in California who went before a school board, said transgenderism is uh, not something that needs to be in front of children in elementary school. We should not be talking about sexual topics with children. Uh, and they fired him for it. And now he's oh, wow. suing the uh, he's suing the Glendale Unified School District. So Ideological purity tests going on over right. there. So wow. much like whenever I interview anybody, I know this is going to sound crazy, who they sleep with uh, does not matter to me at all. Uh, their skin color does not matter to me at all. Uh, in, in fact, a lot of things that they choose to do in their own private time do not matter to me at all. You know, there are a lot of people who are Taylor Swift fans, and I don't like Taylor <laughs> Swift. But you know what? You want to go listen to that? You know, it's a cool. That does not matter to me in the slightest. But when you start putting weirdo, creepy crap in front of children, that's when I take issue. Or if you start shagging in Senate hearing rooms, like that's that is the problem. The act is the problem, not the nature or the sexuality. And there are all and these if you want articles. Equal well, yeah, look, <laughs> if, if, if you want equal treatment, then you need to face equal consequence. And look, there there is there is a. Uh, there are so many cases now where we've moved from we've moved from oh I just want to be accepted and equal and again by the way the guy's name Ray Shelton the, the gay teacher from California who is is suing Glendale he brought this up he's like the, the first gay rights movement he said was a lot like the 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 women's rights suffrage march back in the 20s we just want to be treated normally just want to be an equal member of society that's it and then, like, that's not enough. You have to, like, go more and go crazy and all this other super weird stuff. The reason I bring this up is there is an article by um, AFRU who state that this guy, these dudes, this Aiden, whatever his name is. Um, Jaropsky, I believe. He was fired, quote, fired for his act of love in the Senate. No. And there's a picture that had the, the thumbnail. And I like making, like, cool thumbnails for articles. That's kind of a niche little thing that I like to do. This is a, a a skyline of the U.S. Capitol building, and then there are these like rainbow fists going into the air. So uh, he was symbolic and brave because in a world full of hate, displays of love are rebellious. This is gaslighting. Like we shouldn't been to a party that. This is such gaslighting oh because he wasn't fired for his act of love. If anything, he was hired for his act of love because now we're starting to find out this individual had a history of risque social media posts. He'd even uh, posted about that and being addressed while he was being hired in his job at the senator's office. So they knew going ahead of time what was potentially at risk here and they chose to move forward anyway. So if anything, he got hired because of his love and his sexual identity, not fired because yeah, of it. That's the, gaslighting. That is a reversal of reality. The diversity hire is strong. I want to point this out from the comment section over on the live stream at youtube.com slash WIBC. Thanks for participating, uh, by the way, guys. Yeah, we really appreciate that. There's a guy named Vortex that says, let's be honest. I'm sure they aren't the first to <laughs> get it in in those rooms or get it on in those rooms. Um, but basically, it's just happening enough to film it. And I agree. There have been a lot of cases in U.S. history in which congressmen and women have gotten into promiscuous situations and yeah. their staff have as well. I remember in 2008 in which there were senators getting Harding. on in bathroom stalls with like weird biker dudes. I remember those stories. And I'm going to make this very clear. It is inappropriate no matter whom or 
what the act is or between what parties, if right. it is in the halls of Congress, if you're going to run around telling me that this is a dignified place, right. that, it, that it's sacred, right. which is what apparently the January 6th rioters, that, that's what they violated, the sacred nature of the halls of Congress. I'm sorry, but anal sex on on the back of the dais? Oh. That's, I'd be asking for a new dais, man. Right. I, I uh, Ew, I don't want to touch that. Gross. That ain't ever going to be clean enough. So that's that's one of the things in children's programming because of course, um, well we we might be running out of time to cover to cover Bluey because I feel like that's an important topic. Maybe we can weave that in with um, uh, Claudine Gay's reoccurring uh, plagiarism issues. Well, we'll jump off of that to uh, my <laughs> personal favorite, which is that Coco Melon, which is uh, crack for kids, um, is, is also getting in on the the trans weird sexual. Uh, super stuff for children. So, what is Coco Melon, though? Oh, we'll get into that. See, that's okay. the tease. You got to come back okay. next hour. All right. Well, let's do that. Thanks for listening to Kendall and Casey, Ethan Hatcher, and Tony Kinnett filling in, and so much more content to come. Don't miss a moment on 93 WIBC. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good morning, Indianapolis. This is the Kendall and Casey show now with 50% less Kendall and 50% less Casey for 100% of another team. That's Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in. Happy to be here. And we've got a lot of content to cover, mostly relating to this huge debacle coming out of the Colorado Supreme Court, if you can call it that. It seems more like a lame court to me. But anyway, they've thrown a wrench into the operation, attempting to remove Donald Trump from the ballot and usurp electoral authority from the populace to themselves in an unconstitutional decision. Um, but there's some theories that maybe... Democrats are being incredibly intentional with this. Just maybe they're trying to bait Republicans into responding no, and supporting no, Donald Trump. No. I don't know, Tony. I, I thought that since the indictments began, and it seems like a few people, including the articulate, eloquent, successful uh, Ron DeSantis, also believes that, like Admiral Akbar once said, it's a trap. So, uh, okay, well, there, there's a difference between it, it being a, a trap, and even if DeSantis has made the case uh, that this is some kind of a magical move to, to make everyone support Trump, I, I very much disagree with that analysis, and here's why. The left hates Donald Trump for every single thing that he is and isn't. Um, 
the, the left thinks of Donald Trump the same way that we think about a lot of the left and that we think that the left thinks Donald Trump is some kind of evil mastermind super mega Hitler. They think about like, him like we think about Karl Marx well, or George Soros. No, I mean, there's this idea on the right that like the left has this like big, huge planning room and they're coming up with all of these masterful, beautiful strategies. And then there's an article that comes out the following week that one of those same masterly, dastardly people um, accidentally forgot to file his taxes in the right way and also, uh, also on a publicly recorded line like sexually assaulted for. So I, I'm sorry, I'm just not seeing the masterminded superness here. Most of Most likely... This is a case in which the Democrats are seeing what they think is an opportunity to win major points and remove Trump, and they've done so very stupidly and foolishly, which is what a lot of those opinions are censored in, which is stupidity and foolishness. And I think that in this case, it's not to try to get people to support Donald Trump. Again, before this happened, Donald Trump was already polling uh, above Joe Biden in two battleground states when this whole mess began. So, so way back when this original motion was filed, he was already pulling ahead. Since then, his polling, he's only increased his distance between he and Joe Biden in all of the battleground states. So now when we're looking at this situation, I don't see baiting as much as because, again, the motion was originally filed by four Republican, well, four <clears throat> Republicans. I, I'm just not seeing the conspiracy here. I'm seeing the Democrats moving too early again and shooting themselves in the foot. Well, let's let Ronald McDonald DeSantis make his case before we start making a preemptive judgment here. Here's the larger thing of what the left and the media and the Democrats are doing. They're doing all this stuff to basically solidify support in the primary for him get him into the general and the whole general election is going to be all this legal stuff and look it's unfair uh they're abusing power 100 percent but the question is is that going to work um and i think they have a playbook that unfortunately will work uh, and it'll give biden or the democrat or whoever the ability uh, to skate through this thing that's their plan that's what they want what they don't want is to have somebody like me who will make the election not about all those other issues, but will make the election about the failures of Biden, the failures of the left, and how we're going to be able to turn the country around. If that's how the election's framed, uh, we will win. He's out of line, but he's right. So, uh, great, great, great line there. I, I don't think that, I, I, so I agree with, I agree with not the premise, but the aftershock. I agree with the conclusion that, yes, if, if DeSantis was the nominee, he would beat Biden with like three rubber belts and a pool noodle. I, I don't think that there would be any chance. I think that he could go up against Gavin Newsom in that situation and very handedly or Shapiro from Pennsylvania go up against him and, and win very, very easily. But that's not going to happen. And I don't think that the Democrats, I think that in some of the earlier coverage, it was very evident that they were trying to kind of throw support behind Trump. In recent weeks and months, though, I don't see it. I have seen the pattern of the media shift and change. And the problem with conclusions like this and premises that, oh, this is all big conspiracy, is that it picks one data point from eight months ago and then ignores seven months between then and now. And that's what I think is happening here. Now the media has realized that they've kind of bet Biden will be able to beat Trump. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, no, 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 they won't. And so the media is desperately trying to get Haley across the line. CNN, MSNBC, all they're talking about right now is Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is getting momentum. Oh, she's got momentum in New Hampshire. This poll, oh, wow, she's at 30%. That's incredible. That's what they're desperately trying to do. And why am I saying that? Because there are several data points that suggest that. Not one, well, they're trying to get Trump in so that, well, maybe initially that was their plan. But then they realized they done goofed. They done goofed. They done goofed. Um, 
I, I think Ron DeSantis was bringing up some good points in, sure. his, in his assertion there. And one of them was drawing a distinction between the style of campaign. And this is something I've not phrased it this way, but it's a good way to kind of distill the thought. Um, this is an opportunity for the election, electoral base, the Republican base, to decide what kind of election they want to run. Are we going to run an election of optimism and on rec a record of success, or are we going to run an election on grievance? And that, I think, is the fundamental difference between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is running on his record. He's running on the enormous successes, including COVID, mm -hmm. that he had in Florida where Donald Trump failed, whereas mm -hmm. Donald Trump's election is all about how he's been aggrieved by the Justice Department and treated very unfairly, which is all true, well, but it's not an inspiring message. Okay, yes and no. So, and again, I'm saying this as someone who has supported DeSantis through the primary. I was thrilled when he announced. I still think to this day that he would make a better president than even Ronald Reagan or Calvin Coolidge was. I do. I genuinely think that. However, I do not think it's fair to suggest that Trump is only running on grievance. A lot of what Trump is running on. He's kind of is, veering into it. Yeah, but it's Trump. Okay, that's baked. Hold on. Hear me out. Before you, before you throw up your hands, that's baked into the cake. Show me the voters out there who don't know that Trump is already that way. Show me one voter out there who's like, hey, Trump's talking about how he doesn't like Biden. Who, who out there is coming to that revelation? Number two, Trump has talked about the border. Trump has talked about immigration. He has talked about the economy, and he has talked about foreign policy in his administration, and those things were very good under yeah, his administration. Yeah, yeah. Foreign policy in so, particular. Wow. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. To just say, oh, Trump's just running on the past, oh, that's kind of make a blanket sweep statement to accuse him of just running on grievance instead of running on the successes of his administration, which he's also doing and is also resonating with independence in a way that Florida governing DeSantis may not resonate with the UAW strikers in Detroit or may not resonate with uh, some of the other individuals in this country who are really sick of Biden. Now, look, again, I'm still not planning on voting for Trump in the primary. However, I'm telling you that I don't think the assertion that Trump is just going to completely bungle this election by principle. Is there a danger to it? Absolutely. But does Trump have a definite shot to win this election? And in the last couple of months, has he been showing some decent measures and maneuvers? Yeah. And if I'm going to be objective, I will say that those have to be mentioned. And if I don't, I'm being disingenuous. But in many ways, he still remains, even more than Democrats, his own biggest enemies and continues to allow his damn mouth to get him into trouble, which we'll cover later in the show. Right. Because, of course, scandal and kerfluffle. But before we cover that, I did want to hit on uh, Democrats who are agreeing that this is an overstep. It's disastrous. And it's ultimately going to benefit Donald Trump because the Democrats have overplayed their hand here, regardless of whether it was intentional or not. An observation made by Douglas Shoon, Democrat pollster on Fox News, Brett Baer. This is one Democrat who believes this is going to hurt Democrats and certainly hurt democracy. Um, you know, Donald Trump has not been convicted of anything. And to kick him off the ballot uh, preemptively is to me anti-democratic and against the interests of the Democratic Party. Uh, Donald Trump has a lot of negatives, but to throw him off the ballot based on allegations which have not been fully vetted in a court of law with appeals is to me contrary to everything our country stands for. And I'm, I'm a Biden supporter. I would vote for Joe Biden tomorrow, but I would tell Joe Biden that he should press the Supreme Court to get Donald Trump back on the Colorado ballot, indeed on every ballot. 
this overreach in many ways does play into Donald Trump's hand because he does like to run on grievous besides his his record, which I think is more inspirational. And he did make many great accomplishments during the presidency. He yeah. keeps circling back to, oh, the election was rigged. The election was stolen and being treated very unfairly. And Bill Barr pointing out that this is something which resonates with Trump's, which resonates with his base, and it ultimately benefits him that Democrats are doing this. And this was remarks he made on CNN with Jake Tapper. As you know, I, I strongly oppose Donald Trump for the Republican nomination. As you know. But uh, I think that this case is, is legally wrong and untenable. Uh, and I think this kind of action of stretching the law, taking these hyper-aggressive positions to try to knock Trump out of the race uh, are counterproductive. They backfire. As you know, he, he uh, feeds on grievance, just like a fire feeds on oxygen. And this is going to end up as a grievance that helps him. But for every step forward, Trump seems to take two steps back, and he makes these weird statements that are very questionable at such best. As. It, well, and it get it get him into trouble, such it, as such as the uh, poisoning the blood of our country, which we're okay. going to get into shortly. I, and I'm glad because I, the question I need to ask is 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 who cares? I, I, no, 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 no. I, we need to ask that question. Do we, do we care if a president for the United States is engaging in a racial purity test for the country? Yikes! Oh, is that what he did? Is that what he did? I so, mean, what so what does is, he mean by the phrase? Like that's a that's a very curious language to use when you could have just as easily said, "Oh, they're you know ruining the spirit of our country." Uh, oh, we okay. Can't, you can't. You why, can't. Why? I'm sorry. You you can't. You can't do the double standard game where where Trump is. Why is he using that phrase? Hold though? on. It was a strange Hang phrase. on. Let me articulate what we have to frame this in. You cannot simultaneously say that Donald Trump is shoving his foot into his mouth because he doesn't know what he's doing and he's he's just kind of a big oaf, whatever, and he's also a secret mastermind using dog whistles of racism and all this other... You can't have both. You cannot have both Bobo the Clown and the evil mastermind. You cannot. It is a logical fallacy to assert so. Well, I didn't also, say he was dog whistling. I've heard the full... No, but this is like... That's that's what this is anchored on. Is oh, he's parroting Hitler's speech and oh, oh yeah. No, what he said was... Illegal immigrants are coming into this country, and they, by their actions and their character, are poisoning the functions of the United States. Well, that's eh, that's not what he said. You didn't even say what he said. He said they're poisoning the blood. Yes, you could you could have said they're you know poisoning the bureaucracy or they're destroying the bureaucracy. Did Trump they're, say? Did Trump say the white blood of the United States? Their, Has Trump ever asserted the United States was white? Again, I, I just is is the United it, States. It, it, it makes very e no, it draws no, very easy. No, comparisons. is the United States has it ever been painted as some kind of white European by by its own self? I've been told no. very reliably from every history book I've ever picked up from the twenties onward that the United States was supposed to be the place that all of these countries came together and supported Western European civilizational ideals. And yes, you can poison the blood of that. I the idea that always oh, said blood, so therefore that must mean it's some kind of a weird racial pull. Uh no. I'm not seeing it. Well, I, I, I'm just not. I, I'm again. I was the first to call out Trump when he went after Mitch McConnell's wife, and he, he he used kind of a weird Chinese indicator that oh well she was Chinese so she must be a Chinese national. I went after him for that. I am not seeing this. Oh, this is going to change things. Oh, this is such a big foot in the mouth moment. I'm just not seeing it. Well, just let, not. Let, let's roll the tape. Let's let the listeners hear and decide for themselves, and we'll cover more of this conversation coming up in the next segment on 93 WIBC with Kendall and Casey. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. 
Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back to 93 WIBC, Kendall and Casey show, Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in. And if I wasn't an atheist, I would believe what just happened was divine providence, because as we're getting ready to have this conversation about Donald Trump's remarks and poisoning the blood and what this might, the poor, what a poor choice of phrase that was and what it might remind people of. Here comes Abdul Shabazz in the studio, and I really wanted to invite him into this conversation because, of course, Donald Trump doing what Donald Trump does best, and he is doubling down on poisoning the blood. Here's what he said at a rally. They come from Africa. They come from Asia. They come from South America, but not just South America. They're all over the world. They dump them on the border and they pour into our country and nobody's there to check them. And the Border Patrol is incredible, by the way. They want to do it, but they're told not to do their job. It's crazy what's going on. They're ruining our country. And it's true. They're destroying the blood of our country. That's what they're doing. No! No, no! They're destroying our country. They don't like it when I said that. And I never read Mein Kampf. They said, oh, Hitler said that in a much different way. You know, they're coming from all over the world, people all over the world. We have no idea. They could be healthy. They could be very unhealthy. They could bring in disease that's going to catch on in our country. But they do bring in crime. But they have them coming from all over the world. And they're destroying the blood of our country. They're destroying Ah. the fabric of our country. Okay, okay. So he could have said fabric. And that's my question to you, I guess, Abdul, is am I crazy? Because this sure sounds, if it's not racist, it rhymes with racist. Well, yes, you are crazy. So that's thank you. Point number one. Uh, <laughs> point number two. When I when I heard the, the former president say that, I was like, "Wow, you know, this speech sounded so much better than the original German." <laughs> okay, so because because if you take out immigrants and put in Jews or blacks or Catholics. Uh, we wouldn't stand for that. Okay, and then that's where I got to cut in because we're we're starting to get to the point where we're putting words in the mouth of a man who says silly, crazy things all the time. And and again, to point out past actions and past policy, he is very clearly, and I mean explicitly clearly. And before you give me any, well, if you actually look in the original Greek, no, he is clearly talking about illegal immigrants, and he has gone on ad nauseum about the crime that individual we have arrested Chinese nationals at the borders we have arrested people on the terrorist the terror list from Iran at the border yeah. and we have a large number of individuals who have engaged in drug child and sex trafficking Trump has also and made it very w- clear that he is in favor of individuals coming from countries in a legal process to participate in the cultures and values of the United States the reason that I think the, the, the whole, oh, it's a secret blood thing. Again, you cannot paint Trump as secret dog whistle racial call man and then also say, well, sometimes he, you know, he just says like really stupid thing. He cannot be both the evil secret racist genius and then also be 
Bobo the clown at the same time. Well, I, I just I, don't I, see it. I do not believe that Donald Trump is racist because to be racist, you have to actually acknowledge other people exist. And so <laughs> narcissism Donald, is definitely yeah, a factor. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Donald Trump is more of a narcissist than, than a racist. And I'm a narcissist to, to be honest with you my, myself. Now, now with that said, um, Donald Trump reminds me of your drunk uncle at Thanksgiving. You know he's going to say some crazy stuff. The, the question is, do you, do you ignore him and just kind of go on about your business? Or like, or do you try to call him in the room like, hey, uncle, you know, you really shouldn't say, you know, things like that or, 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 or monitor your alcohol uh, intake. So the, the president of the United States. Former president. I'm talking about Joe Biden. Okay, yeah. Um, the president of the United States has routinely talked about the the blood of Americans, the the sweat and the tears, and in reference to the United States being a functional medical body. Joe said some racist crap too, though. I let me finish. Okay. Trump did before him. Obama did before him. Bush did before him. Clinton did before him, and so on down the line. Yeah, every, the United every, States. Yeah, yeah. Has, every, every, every president has said something inappropriate. Kind of like, what in the world did the president say? However, when it when it's a repeated pattern uh, of such behavior. It just kind of makes me wonder. Like I said, do I think Donald Trump is racist? No. Do I think he's narcissist? No. Yes. And that's I, the only as someone who's not supporting Donald Trump in the primary, I am not a, a huge Trump fan, but I, I am I am telling you, there is no situation which I have observed this and I've looked at like, well, secretly, he's talking about the racial blood of the country. We, we have not described the United States as having some kind of racial bloodline. When Hitler talked about the, the Jews poisoning the Aryan blood, he didn't say just, oh, the blood of Germany. He said the blood of Aryans in Germany. He was clear to make it racial. This country has a lifeblood and it is affected by behavior. And because the president, former president, and Donald Trump phrased it in a way that kind of sort of sounds like this is incredibly disingenuous. But, 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 but it also doesn't help to the image like, you know, Africa, Asia. Okay, all right. Well, those are kind of dark colored people. Kind Why of specific. Kind of, kind of specific. Is Europe not facing a major Muslim immigrant crisis right now? Well, I'm Islamic, so I'll we'll save that conversation for <laughs> okay, a Okay, let me rephrase that. For, are they not <laughs> facing a Shia Muslim immigrant crisis right now? Yes. Do not the majority of Shia migrants make up the majority of Muslim immigrants to other nations? I believe that the last trend in value is like sixty-eight percent. Um, I go I go back and forth because because with, with Islam, it's it's kind of like Catholic Protestant. There's Shia Muslims, there's Sunni Muslims, and there's also other other different types. Right. So so you got to got to keep that uh, in mind. Like I said, my my thing is this: if, if you know Donald Trump is Trump is as Trump does. It's just plain plain and simple. We know he's going to say some crazy stuff out the box. So the so the question is, do you do you do you get worked up or do you ignore him? I had a friend of mine call me the other day who was almost on on the verge of having a stroke or what Donald Trump was like, dude, why are you listening? Like if you don't like what he says, just turn it off. It's the, the, just- that, the point that I'm making here is kind of in line with that, is that there is no situation that I can see that anyone should be taking that comment seriously as some type of a big ultra extreme boo-boo of insanity. Because when he gets into office, and again, looking at the people that he is honored from his podium at the White House. I don't exactly remember the the family guy racial checklist at the country club with whom Donald Trump did or didn't appoint to his cabinet, with whom or whom he didn't honor in congressional races, and with, by the way, the countries that he interacted with in a foreign policy perspective. Can we agree that it's it's an unwise way to... I wasn't even going to cover this except for the fact that he's circled back and doubled down and mentioned it multiple times. An unwise way. I'm sorry. We're we're, we're asking the President of the United States to choose his words super care 
carefully in the same way. The man who said yeah. the, the, the Fifth Avenue thing, I'm sorry, we, we've never taken Trump seriously in his language campaigning at this level before. We're going to start pretending all of a sudden that Donald Trump is a master wordsmith who like reads off a very carefully scripted teleprompter. If we're not ta- basing our judgments of our candidates on the words that they say, then what are we judging them on? You're saying content. I'm saying that denotation and connotation are two different things. Okay, well... Unfortunately, we have really ran over over time with this, and Kurt Darling is uh, shooting daggers at me. Abdul, thanks for coming in and sharing in the conversation. I just came to check with our producer about something real quick. <laughs> thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. Kendall and Casey, Kurt Darling on the way. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Kendall and Casey Show. Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in. Producer Carl. Pushing the buttons. Doing the things to make the show function. Tony, this has been, don't want to jinx it. I think one of our finest broadcasts together. You know, really I've had has. a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, dude, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I, I got a text uh, over the commercial break that's like, man, is everything okay? And it's like, first of all, I, yeah, I disagree with my colleagues on a lot of stuff. Um, that's part of the fun of it. If I can't argue policy, you know, and, and ramifications of things like electoral process with you, what's the point? We're not Democrats here. We don't believe in ideological purity. Well, and also unlike Democrats at a certain Ivy League university, my master's theses, both of them are not plagiarized. Ooh, so shots uh, fired. Okay, we'll get into Claudine. Also shots fired because uh, I'm also a Second Amendment believer and, uh, you know, but I'm yeah. behind every blade of grass is another great comment from Tony Kennett. Anyway, um, before we get into that, though, because I do want to play that soundbite um, from Jake Tapper discussing the plagiarism scandal, especially because, anyway, there's lots of good reasons to do that. But before we get into that, did you see they are now selling the Circle Center Mall to Hendrix Property Group? I'm pretty excited by this acquisition. They're attempting to renovate the mall, a $600 million overhaul over the next 10 years. I'm I'm somewhat optimistic though because Dude. these are the wh- hold on though Tony because these are the people behind uh, the Ironworks Keystone uh-huh. and the Bottle Works District right over there on the south end of uh, Madison or north end of Madison Massachusetts Avenue. There we go. Anyway, uh, point being, they're v- very masterful uh, commercial renovations. Mm. They're what they're being utilized. They're well trafficked. Uh, uh, Mass Ave, the Bottle Works District in particular, very respectful of architectural heritage, well executed. If anybody was going to renovate the Circle Center Mall, I'd give it to those folks. They oh. did a bang up job. So you're skeptical. Dude, Why? I'm not skeptical. Oh, you're not skeptical. No, okay, just the opposite. The highlight of my entire childhood as a kid was when I would get on the bus at Shenandoah. Um, or we would get in a van over at Heritage Hall in Muncie, and we would drive to Indianapolis for whatever, whether we were going to IRT or whether we were going to just do like a Christmas event, like the soccer team was heading over, and we would go to Circle Center Mall. And it used to be so full of life. It was exciting. The food court was hopping. It was that classic 1980s mall feel. 
and there was nothing quite like it. It's laid out in a very particular way. It was just a hallmark of downtown Indianapolis. What a treat. I've played in the Sky Garden before um, as a pianist several times uh, back when, you know, it you didn't have to shove through meth, addict, meth addicts to actually get up to Sky Garden. Mm-hmm. It was such a treat. And so to see it fall in disrepair, it broke my heart. Because, again, as a Hoosier at heart, there are the most mundane things about Indiana I get excited about. I love this state. I wouldn't shut up about it when I was in New York or Wisconsin. This state has my heart and then some. And so to see something that a lot of Hoosiers really enjoyed about Indianapolis getting refurbished, revivified, and hopefully we can someday get a uh, a mayor in Indianapolis that won't balk at the idea that people want to carry um, in an area like a mall, like, you know, like the guy who uh, shot the shooter in Greenwood uh, Park Mall. I am excited to see what Circle Center Mall could become. It's, I want to play in Sky Garden again. It's gotten so depressing around there, Tony, and I'm not a mall goer. I rarely have opportunity to do or cause I never would have guessed. Reta- right. Retail shopping like that. But that said, it's it's incredibly depressing to see the Circle Center Mall fall into shabbiness and disrepair, which Simon Property Groups unfortunately have. Like, just even the exterior Dude, everything signage, Simon touches lic- dies. Flickering lights. You got, you know, partially illuminated Simon was the Simon was the blockbuster of of uh of like retail property because blockbuster had the opportunity to buy netflix upgrade what they were doing and change as the world was changing but instead they didn't and they ended up paying for it through the nose and that's what simon has done simon's like yeah amazon's taking a lot of this maybe we should change the kind of shops maybe we should change the kind of restaurants lower rents change policies make things interesting there was a a simon mall in louisville that had an opportunity to install like an actual train with like rails like for kids to ride around in not just like cheap stuff but like a really cool thing because they did something in jeffersonville and clarksville ages ago um either jeffersonville or clarksville i can't remember which one but there was a mall down there that did that and they said no we're just going to stick with what we know that mall is now closed and there are a lot of situations where again there's a great book uh that's called who moved my cheese you have to move you have to groove you have to keep things going and that is I'm just excited that a property group is now going to take this and hopefully keep things relevant. I'm a, really excited. And about a property this. group with a record of success because, again, key, uh, uh, Ironworks at Keystone and the Bottleworks District on the north end of Mass- Massachusetts Avenue, both beautiful. Gosh, so I love anybody- gentrification so much. Yeah, isn't it great? It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And imperialism, but we'll talk about that later. Uh-oh, getting spicy. Um, I like the idea that they're going to be uh, creating mixed usage here. They're, it's not just going to be a solely re- uh, a retail yeah, space Yeah, what, what do you mean it's by be- mixed usage? Uh, they're putting residential in there. It's going to be really? open, yes. It's going to be an open air concept. There's going to be residences uh, uh, built in there as well. So it's like up at the top floor, commercial. like in that one little university space they used to have. Or uh, it looked. I I haven't seen like the specific. Uh, blueprints, I'm less but excited looks, for this now. What you don't think that uh, people would uh, buy condos downtown? No, that's my problem. I think they would. I, I I'm so I'm the kind of guy who when I walk on the canal. Uh, or used to walk on the canal in high school, and I was still some dreamy, nerdy romantic, and walking on the canal was Now you don't romantic. walk there because you're going to get shot. Yeah, well, I, I would probably do the shooting, but that's another subject for another time. I'm a quicker draw in the Wild West, <laughs> at least so says uh, the last training report that I had. Aside from those things, though, it's always eerie that I'm like walking past people's homes at one point. I, there's just something about that that just kind of makes me feel a little uncomfortable because when I used to live in a condo with my wife in Lawrence – People walking right outside my house all the time. I grew up in the sticks too much to be comfortable with like walking that close to someone's home. I just it it 
there's a weird itch in the back of my brain. I don't care. For I it. mean, I wouldn't choose to live there. It's not my cup of tea. It's in the middle of the city with very little green space. But, you know, for the people that, that floats their boat, by all means, go ahead. And uh, I, I think that is the way of the future with some of these larger retail spaces. You just don't need as much floor space. So it begs the question of what mixed use it will be, because option B would be office space, which they haven't really successfully done in dude uh, office space is just in such a shambles i've actually considered renting out some of the office space like offices uh simply because you can do some crazy things with empty space and some of the rent for office space in indianapolis and some of these like suites is like 150 280 a month that's insane for some of these spaces i don't even know what i would do with it i i but i do something so you can cre- create more commercial revenue through residential. So I'm, I'm all for it. I'm excited to see what this renovation will bring. And hopefully it's not allowed to wither on the vine and die by the negligence of the city council, the lackluster leadership of Mayor Joe Hogsnot, and uh, the alleged prosecutor who doesn't prosecute Ryan Mears, who lets a uh, friend of the miscreant Mears, who lets uh, criminals uh, out on the street with uh, nary a slap on the wrist. Mm, that's that's the truth. I, I really just want to be able to walk down a downtown street without a someone coming up and giving me the the crack addict gums mm-hmm. smile and like leering into me, hoping that they'll pickpocket me on the way. I loved that the second, I mean, the second they took away the green space on the circle, whose only function it was to lull you into a, a false sense of security. Here's Joe Hogg's not trotting out the green space and uh, setting it up with professional security. You got state troopers out there, IMPD out there, making sure everything's hunky-dory for election season. And nope, oh, now the polls are closed. Uh, roll up the green space, and in come the crack addicts again, sleeping right out in front of, uh, I was going to Nikki Blaine's, actually right after I got done doing our broadcast uh, with you, because I was going to Nikki Blaine's, remember, after the show? I do remember that. Okay, and there had some crack addict uh, sleeping right in the entrance next to uh, the South Bend Chocolate Company, rolling around, moaning, making... You need no- to carry. I mean, you, you, you need, we, we, need, we need to get you a pistol. We, we need to take you to uh, but, but the second, the, the second they roll up the green space, in come the crack addicts so, again. And, and the circle is looking shabby, just like it was before they put that in there to lull you into a false sense of security, and it really gets under my skin. I mean, yeah, me. if they can make the circle a no-homeless and also clean up the the weird fake blue stuff in like the soldier and sailors monument fountains. I don't care for that either. That's not really relevant. I just think it's ugly. Isn't that paint? Yeah, it's just like pool paint. Yeah. But uh, back to the the Circle Center Mall thing, I would like to see a lot of the food carts and businesses that were there for the monument circle thing be in Circle Center Mall year-round. There was some really great food and and dessert options that were offered while people were driving their little food trucks in there. How are you going to drive a food food truck up on the third uh, floor food court? Well, you, you see, you take the stuff in the food truck and you move it into the retail space. Oh, And then okay. you open it. You now don't drive the, the food truck I, into the mall. Well, you said the food truck. I'm imagining them driving the truck up the escalator. You're the kind which... of guy that sat there as a kid and were like, how'd they get this car into the mall? <laughs> you were that kid. Um, before we break, though, I did want to cover, because you mentioned it, Claudine Gay and her reoccurring plagiarism scandal, which it seems dates all the way back to the 1990s. Of course, she was plagiarizing papers back in the early 2000s, too. But now they found stuff dating back to her doctoral degree, submissions for her Ph.D., where she's directly uh, copying sentences from other people's papers. And I promise you, as somebody who has not one but two degrees in college, they don't like that. And here's Claudine Gay uh, getting by, highlighting the double standard pointed out by Jake Tapper. Regardless of the provenance of these allegations, 
there is also the matter of... And he was talking about provenance there because, of course, the media is critical of Republicans who've brought up these uh, uh, allegations of plagiarism. And they're not upset by the plagiarism. They're upset by the observation. Let's continue. Regardless of the provenance of these allegations, there is also the matter of whether or not they're true. Harvard's top governing body said a review revealed, quote, inadequate citations by Dr. Gay in a few instances, but, quote, no violation of Harvard's standards for research misconduct, unquote. Now, Harvard's guide on sourcing says this on plagiarism, quote, in academic writing, it is considered plagiarism to draw any idea or any language from someone else without adequately crediting that source in your paper, unquote. Now, critics of Dr. Gay and Harvard's review of the allegations say that there is a double standard going on here. Absolutely. Most academic circles take this very seriously. I myself, now I think this was bullcrap, but I got dinged for plagiarism because I quoted a sentence from a Supreme Court decision in where in the text, I enclosed the quote in quotation marks. I included the year that uh, it, the, the quote was made mm-hmm. and the authors of the quote, but I didn't include it in the bibliography and still got dinged for plagiarism. Well, you like as you knocked your fist against the table, the lights flickered. It's like you were really unleashing my anger. Yeah, I can tell. Uh, Yeah, I've got three degrees, um, and I love this because uh, if I was ever caught plagiarizing, even now, if it was something very little to nothing to do with my graduate degree, Ball State University could still revoke my master's degrees for plagiarism. That is within their rights to do, and not just again, not just a job. They could actually take my degrees away because you violate the most sacred of. Well, really, the only sacred academic principle, which is, you know, don't steal. And I love it. Again, Claudine Gray is such a such a diversity hire. She's not a diversity hire because of her skin color. She's not a diversity hire because of her her organs. She's a diversity hire because she had to lean on her equity work instead of actual talent. I want people working for me who are talented and who are skilled and honest. That's it. It doesn't matter what organs you have. If you're stealing from people, I don't want you working for me. Can't find it within herself to say that students calling for the open genocide of Jews is hate speech and violates campus well, policy. Uh, hold on, but if you had Klansmen, context. if you had Klansmen running around in robes on campus, that wouldn't be a tough call for Claudine to make. Hold on a second now. We're getting into Butler University territory, Skipper. You got to be careful. Oh, what's going on in Butler? I cannot reveal. Yeah, well, it'll be up this afternoon. So Ooh, give you a little bit of a tease. tease. Congress might be getting involved in Butler University's uh, decision to investigate the College Republican Club uh, after they made the decision to condemn Students for Justice in Palestine's anti-Semitic protest in which they chanted, quote, not a victim, not a crime. And this was like a couple of days after Hamas, you know, raped, beheaded and slaughtered 1,200 over 1,200 Israelis and, you know, also Americans. So uh, there's some more stuff there because you know what? When you take federal funding, it turns out you kind of have to follow the law. So criticizing the people who support some Hamas merits investigation in Butler, you know, that's that's wild to me, Tony. And it, it circles back to a question that I've had to ask, unfortunately, more frequently in the past few weeks than ever before. Why does it seem like Jews are the only ethnic group that it's acceptable to be openly hostile and racist towards? This is mind-blowing. Well, and it's it's everywhere. To, it's, to, it's even in local Indianapolis food food groups on Facebook. Yes. This is crazy. That's true. I, I would, again, just in, in, in the interest of being ideologically consistent, 
Jews, while historically the most vilified, are not today the only ethnic groups that you are allowed, the only ethnic group that you're allowed to slam. In America. In America, you can just as easily discriminate against Asian Americans, against Cuban Americans, uh, depending on the political leanings against Native Americans and well, those of European descent as well. I guess, you know, again, the, the whole slavery of the Irish thing was never really a thing, so... 93 WIBC, Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in. More on the way. Don't miss a moment. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love. Hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Here on 93 WIBC, Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett in the chairs here for Kendall and Casey. Thanks for tuning in. And I didn't believe the conspiracy theories about John Fetterman being replaced by a body double. But man, he's sure been acting awfully based lately. Maybe it's true. Maybe they've switched him out because I couldn't believe. I mean, he's making fun of the people who support Hamas. He's calling out Democrats for the hypocrisy of kicking out George Santos, but not Bob Menendez. And he supports America first policy by keeping our manufacturing in country coming out against the acquisition of U.S. Steel based John Fetterman. I'm standing on the roof of my home right here in Braddock, Pennsylvania right across the street from the Edgar Thompson plant. And I just have to say it's absolutely outrageous that they have sold themselves to a foreign nation and a company. Can't do that. Steel is always about security as well too. And I am committed to doing anything I can do from using my platform or my position in order to block this. And I'm going to fight for the steel workers and their union way of life here as well too. And we cannot ever allow them to be screwed over or left behind. I mean, Tony, I'd be fine with more of that John Fetterman around. Uh, again, this is why I've started referring to him as Senator Betterman, um, ah. because realistically, uh, the things that have come out of his mouth in the last couple of months have basically been an identity crisis for the Democrat Party. The Philadelphia Inquirer posted an article uh, which basically states that young people are abandoning politics Yay. for people because like Democrats like Fetterman are basically saying, yeah, I'm not a progressive. And uh, I don't believe in a lot of this crazy nonsense. And he's realizing that for two reasons. Number one, Fetterman did not win that election. Oz lost that election. Um, Oz was a horrible candidate. And Oz was a terrible Trump never should have endorsed him. But again, Trump endorses people who say nice things about him. That is Trump's only qualification. He's enamored with um, celebrity. Again, that's just that's 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 Trump's narcissism that's baked into the cake. But Fetterman has realized there is no way he's going to win re-election if he continues doing the whole like progressive stroke victim thing. And so instead, he started coming out and saying things that a lot of his voters are intimating to him, which, again, to people in on the coasts that do not understand the labor union fabric of the Midwest, that the, the men and women who worked in factories and in mines and in refineries for half a century just to turn around and kind of screw them over with NAFTA and other trade agreements and, and shipping 
those jobs overseas with no tariffs, no problems attached at all. That's a serious concern. And you do have to reach a point where the Democrat Party is going to have to figure out, are they actually going to let AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Andre Carson and the squad run the party? Or are they actually going to try to keep a vestige of the 90s labor Democrats alive? So far, it's up in the air, but Fetterman is at least an interesting indicator. I invited him on the show. Oh, well, very cool. Let me know if that pans out. I will. I, I mean, love we, to, his office is, is interested. Um, well, we'll have to see. Obviously, I've, I've said some unfriendly things about Fetterman in the past. Well, so have I, but now, um, now he's but cool. But again, I would be more than happy to get on there and talk about, you know, because my dad lost his job at Dana overseas when I was growing up because they, they're not to overseas to Mexico because Dana went down and again, because of the free trade agreements just screwed over a lot of American workers. And so that's still a big issue with Rust Belt voters. And I loved when he was calling out the hypocrisy of Democrats for not immediately ousting Bob Menendez. If Democrats don't expel him from the Senate, as you've been calling for, is your party forfeiting the moral high ground here when it comes to corruption? Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's really strange. It's strange to me. You know, uh, I, you know, I'm not anti-Santos. I mean, it, it's just like, of course, he's done some really, you know, bizarre kind of lying and everything. But if, if you have to, if you do, if you expel somebody like, you know, uh, George Santos, how can you allow somebody like, uh, you know, Senator Menendez remain in the Senate as well, too? Because I promise you that one of the main major differences between uh, Representative, former Representative Santos and Senator Menendez is $300 million of munitions, you know, with Egypt as well, too. And uh, Santos is never uh, accused of being a, a foreign agent as well. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more serious kinds of issues here. And we really need to expel Menendez in order just to be fair. If this is new Fetterman, I agree. That is the Betterman. Thanks for listening to Kendall and Casey. Ethan and Tony filling in. More on the way. Next hour, we'll be continuing to discuss the Colorado SCOTUS decision and now who the Democrats have lost in their arrogance. Stay tuned. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's 11.05 on 93 WIBC. This is the Kendall and Casey Show. Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in. So much to cover. If you've missed a moment of the broadcast, you can find the podcast uploaded to WIBC.com, Kendall and Casey's show page. Lots of content there. Now, we've been talking a lot on the show, of course, about the disastrous Colorado Supreme Court decision uh, where the justices have usurped the authority of the voters and, uh, you know, extended, overextended uh, the, the Constitution. They have breached the Constitution. Anyway. Right. Um, this, how badly do you have to have overplayed your hand to, in partisan hackery to lose 
freaking Cornell West who admitted that Democrats have really misstepped here. And I couldn't believe when he tweeted this out. He says, we must be very careful in celebrating this decision by the Colorado Supreme Court. It's true that Brother Trump is a bona fide gangster and a neo-fascist who must be held accountable. But at the same time, we don't want the courts deciding the outcome of elections. This power must reside with and for the people. The Democrats should not rely on the courts as a mechanism to circumvent Brother Biden's anemic poll numbers. We want truth, justice, and love in American politics. Hashtag truth, justice, love. Hashtag Colorado. That coming from Cornell West. I'm floored. You've lost the game when you lose Cornell West on partisan hackery. Wow. I met Cornell West a couple of years ago uh, at a classical education conference. He Did was, he call he you Brother there. Kenneth? No, he didn't. I, 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 I had a chance to chat with him for, I'd say, about a half an hour. He and I sat and, and talked about you know politics and, and race relations and, and critical race theory, again, which was my specialty in, in kind of my social studies and graduate classes because um, it's insane and it's a dumpster fire and I love watching it. And my issue with Cornell West has been Cornell West is not really ever afraid to come out and criticize a lot of the sillier aspects of like the modern Democrats. He's criticized a lot of like youths and they're wanting to be woke all the time. He said uh, actually to us at that conference, sometimes you just need to take a nap saying that like it's not good <laughs> to be woke all the time. Um, and my problem with him has continued to be this issue. If you have so many problems with those that you're around, why are you still hanging around them? Uh, I understand that in the general election, sometimes you're forced into a lesser of two evils kind of circumstance. That That is just the way that that goes. However, I do not see a situation in which you continue to raise support for and write philosophy for the party who you seem to have so many issues with. So... Again, Cornell West is just kind of like very lightly schoolmarming this because he kind of has to. No one really cares who he is or what he's doing. His presidential campaign is anemic, to say the least. Um, but what I love is, again, the latter part of what you cited is you said, well, there needs to be love in American justice. No, there doesn't. Love should never be a facet of justice. <laughs> if love enters the situation in which someone well, is determined guilty or not, that's then well, it's not justice. Hold, hold on. He said we want uh, truth, justice, and love in American politics, not American justice, just to make sure, not mi mi uh, misapply his, his statement. Then, then in that case, I heard that differently. If he wants truth, justice, and love in American politics, love has never been a part of American politics either. I guess there's, no, there's some kind of a hugsy-feely way to run the American political system, but... And also justice in American politics. Truth, justice. Just get out of here. I Take that somewhere else. No one believes that's what you're looking for. Well, that's what Superman says, right? Truth, justice in the American way. Oh, yeah. I always take my life directions from a comic book superhero. Um, of course, uh, 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 Robert Kennedy Jr., also highly critical of this decision, tweeting out, I'm not a Trump supporter. If I were, I wouldn't be running against him, but I want to beat him in a fair election, not because he was kicked off the ballot. Let the voters choose, not the courts. Kennedy 24. That's what the left does to virtue signal, just for the record. Um, I hate Kennedy. I cannot stand him. I think he is a very, 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 very terrible person. And I have written several a reports. Terrible person. Person. He is a liar. A super duper extra with you don't large on the side liar. Dislike his policy because I dislike his policy. What, I dislike his policies person? as well. Yeah. Anyone who gets up and says I endorse my, I endorse Tim Kennedy's politics is is obviously bad for the country, which he has. For everyone who's like, well, he says what's on his mind, like that. Sorry. Um, he also endorses Tim Kennedy's voting record. So <laughs> no, but. As far as RFK Jr. is concerned, while I don't normally comment on the actions of guys who have been caught 
literally lying four times in 30 seconds as far as citing statistics and certain emails that did or didn't go out. Again, this is just virtue signaling. He's trying to kind of garner support among the populists uh, because he says, oh, this is wrong. Yeah, the average guy with very little in the ways of brains or bronze knows that this is wrong. You getting out front and saying it isn't going to make anyone, you know, think that you're something special. At least he's making the right call. So is Alan Dershowitz, a legal, you know, famed left-wing lawyer, also representing Donald Trump. And again, joining the chorus of calls that this is a bad decision out of the Colorado Supreme Court. In the 60 years I've been practicing and teaching law, I've never seen a decision that is so anti-democratic and so unconstitutional. It is absurd. Uh, the idea that the 14th Amendment was supposed to substitute for the impeachment provision carefully drafted by the framers um, is wrong. Um, if you want to impeach a president, if you want to make him not run, be able to run in the future, there's a provision. It requires a two-thirds vote of the Senate. But the idea that the framers of the 14th Amendment intended to circumvent that carefully drawn provision and, and simply allow any state to make up uh, grounds for denying him the right to be on the ballot uh, undercuts uh, democracy. The 14th Amendment itself is very clear. It says in Section 5, the Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. The Congress, that's the United States Congress. There's no provision in the 14th Amendment for any state or certainly any state court to interfere with the right to vote by its citizens. So uh, this is a terrible, terrible decision. It's in fact a regression of American political theory, not federalism, but confederalism, which we had to throw away because the states were usurping the authority of the federal government and creating a mishmash of policy that was detrimental to the country's function overall, which is why the government functions as it does now. There's a family Founders figured that out really quick. There's a family guy quote in uh, which uh, Peter ends up kind of running his own country <laughs> and uh, Pretoria. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anywho. So at one point he, I guess he annexes his neighbor's pool and Joe's like, Peter, you can't do this. You can't just come in here and take my pool. And Peter's like, well, according, and then he like starts like citing some long like constitutional <laughs> clause, according to article 14, section three, the, and then he rolls the constitution back up. And that's genuinely what the Colorado state Supreme court did here. They just like picked a clause and they're like, oh, see, it says the word insurrection. Therefore Trump's off the ballot. It's like, did you read the rest of the constitution or what they wrote like in the adjoining clauses like it's congress who has to do this and even then it doesn't apply to the president and even then like there's just so many things that don't apply but the colorado again the the activists on the colorado state supreme court are just like the and so then that that's what they read and that's well, what's going to. I mean, they need to be taken off the bench for that ruling. It's absolutely absurd and preposterous. <laughs> of course, it's preposterous. This is this is the what is it? The eighth or ninth year of 2016. Politics has not been normal in this country for getting close to a decade, and and even then it was a mess back in the Obama administration's full swing. Oh, and they tried to use uh, the bureaucracy to target conservatives too. I re I consistently. Remember the I remember the good old days when the IRS was just targeting conservative fundraising groups and refusing to give them 501c3 uh, status uh, uh, for their uh, uh, PACs. Um, uh, you know, I remember that kind of discrimination, right. but now the Democrats are just openly taking you off the ballot. And again, that and that's what uh, uh, that's what Ted Lieu something I mean something Representative it, it, Ted Lieu said again is that this is, if the Supreme Court 
basically has the authority to make this standard practice in the United States. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you, you really are saying things that are at this point, again, given your oath to uphold the Constitution, borderline treasonous. He's not been convicted. He's not been charged. And to the extent it was even mentioned, he was acquitted in the Senate of impeachment for interfering with the election. So there's just no basis here for the decision to move forward. And I think not only, I, I think not only, um, uh, are they likely to get struck down, but they're also probably weakening um, Jack Smith's chances uh, for his ap appeal before the Supreme Court See, as and, well. And this is why I think that the left's case, that, that the, the Trump cases are just going to wreck his chances in 24, that Trump's going to get in court, and all of a sudden everyone is going to be like, oh, no, Trump is suddenly bad. I'm not going to vote for him. This is why I think that argument's kind of garbage. Because already right now, you don't see people out there suggesting, well, I'm just going to wait to see what happens in Trump's lawsuits. Now, because Colorado has already moved this insane measure, California probably right behind it, you're looking at an instance where Trump's court cases next year, only one of which is any, any use, which is the, the classified documents case, and even that's incredibly thin, those are only going to reconfirm, based on what we've seen in Colorado, that Trump is being politically attacked. The case for Trump to standard voters in the United States, not to pundits like you and me, is more strong now than it has been since Trump tried to run for re-election in 20. Well, uh... <laughs> It's it's just an incredible turn of events. Um, but let, let's not be too hasty here because I have in the next segment some polling data which alleges, and I've been criticized by our listeners here for not putting more stocks into polls which favor Donald Trump. Well, here we've got a poll that says the majority of Americans actually support the decision from SCOTUS. So are you going to criticize me when I call that poll malarkey? Let's get into that more coming up in the next segment on 93 WIBC. Welcome back. It is 18 minutes after the hour. This is the Kendall and Casey show. You may notice that I don't sound very much like Rob or Casey, and uh, that's because I'm not. I'm Tony Kennett. Ethan Hatcher is joining me. We are covering for that dynamic duo today, and we're kind of addressing with two large snow shovels just the massive fecal dumpster fire that is the situation in Colorado, not to mention uh, the massive mess that have become the polling situation in the country. And by that, I mean, of course, the Biden administration just cannot seem to get a leg up. Forget that. I mean, even a leg in the dementia-ridden carpet slippers in the walker. My goodness, these polls are something else. But they are trying to claim that the majority of Americans evidently support this decision from Colorado. 54% supporting the decision to kick Trump off the ballot. Now, I've received a lot of flack from you listeners out there in listener land on WIBC for being oh skeptical of polls when they are favorable to Republicans, but I'm also enormously skeptical of polls in general, including this malarkey. So are you going to be critical of me here because I also doubt the veracity of a majority of Americans believing that the Supreme Court should usurp the electoral authority? I don't think so. So I think of polls, at least in terms of how a lot of Republicans in Indiana view them, is in one of two ways, both of which I think are logical and fair. Uh, and, and I say that based on a, a good amount of data points in, in regard to this philosophy. So the number one way that I think people view polls is that polls are real, but they skew to the left. 
So uh, oftentimes they'll say that pollsters interview more people in Democrat areas or interview more moderate Republicans. And so therefore you can take any poll out there and basically skew it to the right five or 10 points. And that's an accurate view of what the polls state. That works. That philosophy works really well in, in kind of national polls that put Republicans against Democrats and not as well in kind of GOP primary polls. But I think that when, you know, you get pushback and like why when Trump right now is what it's 67 percent popularity and in some specific instances and even wider on, uh, you know, in a lot of issues, I get that as to Americans approving the kicking uh, the Colorado kicking Trump off the ballot. I don't buy it. I have an issue. The, the second way the Republicans in Indiana view polls is probably more with where I align, which is that when's the last time you answered a poll out there? Those of you who are listening, when's the last time you got a call? You heard that that let you know that it's some kind of a robotic call or a call center that you're being forwarded to and you stayed on the line and answered political questions. I have not talked to an individual in quite some time. In fact, not within working memory in the Midwest that has engaged in an actual genuine political poll. And I see these polls come out and I'm not saying that they're garbage. I'm saying that right now, Americans distrust of telling others their political views is at an all time high. And so, therefore, why are we assuming that polls in any way, shape, or form are getting more reliable instead of less reliable? And then you also kind of have the poison base effect in the fact that people who are more willing to interact and respond to polls generally have a stronger opinion on issues that will be reflected and don't necessarily represent the uh, majority of Americans who are less involved and invested. I, again, I think there's also an issue that you have to look here that uh, so whenever you have poll research, and I've done poll work before, I've done survey research before, you have to report things like margin of error, how many people were interviewed. There are not a number of factors that are always reported, like where was the data collected? How was it collected? Who did you contact and why? How did you choose this area to screen phone calls? Or did you do email? Or did you do social media? How did you prevent it from being corrupted? And I'm just not, I personally find it a little hard to believe any kind of a poll out there right now that's saying this is what the majority of Americans believe because I just don't see a, a poll that cites how many people cited in this this 54 percent it can't be more than 2,000 well I'm, I'm trying to pull up the actual statistics but I'm having uh, some the uh, internet here is a little bit slow today so yeah. let's assume let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt if they pulled 5,000 people I would want to know what the regional biases of the area were Are these people in rural suburban or urban environments I would want to know things like over what period of time did you ask how was the question phrased what were the other questions in the poll was the question based on if there's some kind of a trial and a conviction none of that was asked and we weren't given any insight into this when it was published so even if 5,000 people were polled which I doubt I really got to tell you, I'm just I don't trust policy laden polls as a basis because people don't ask questions or give answers in the same way. Multiple choice doesn't factor. Well, how, how do you feel about the polls coming out of New Hampshire? I think putting uh, Nikki Haley at 30 percent right now from likely uh, Republican voters. I, again, I think that people. I, so uh, I believe Ron DeSantis was polling uh, beneath Chris Christie. Yeah, his, his campaign is doing really atrocious. The flag for me is that a, number, a large number of people are supporting Chris Christie in the New Hampshire poll. I I just don't, again, I, I find that suspicious. Me. And so I have questions, again, about how the poll was conducted. People are not answering the phone and answering polls. Where are these people? That's my question. It's the same question I've had consistently. I do not believe polls that favor the left, the right, the center, 
political policy stuff because, and I, I don't think they're not based in anything. I just think that in a time where people have severe distrust of telling others their political notions and intentions, I'm just not seeing the group out there that's saying, oh yeah, I, I talk in polls all the time. I, I don't see it. Now, speaking of Nikki Haley, she is using extremely tortured logic to justify her ambition of bombing the world because it's not enough to bomb Iran or bomb Mexico. You got to bomb Russia and everybody else, too. Here she's trying to attack, uh, connect the attack in Israel on October 7th with Putin somehow because, of course, October 7th, if you didn't know, is Putin's birthday. Remember when I told you Putin hit rock bottom? Hamas invaded Israel and did all that brutality on October 7th. October 7th is Putin's birthday. Who's the happiest person in the world right now? Putin. Why? Because the U.S. and the West took all their eyes off of Ukraine and what we do? Started looking at Israel. Did Putin call Netanyahu? Nope, not for 10 days. You know who he did call? Hamas. They came the next day and they held hands and said they were friends. We now know the Russian intelligence is what helped Hamas know how to get through that barrier. See the connection. <laughs> if we supported Ukraine and supported Israel, that's only 5% of our defense budget. Shut up! Silly woman. Carl, Carl, can can you find the theme to the X-Files? Because that's the kind of conspiracy kind of stuff that I think needs to outline. So so let me get this straight. So Hamas, backed by Iran. Iran wanted to give a present to Putin for his birthday because Russia is already maintaining their hold on those three regions in Ukraine. Um, so Putin was having a rough time, I guess, apparently. Uh, and so then to... to pick up his spirits um the operation which hamas had planned for what looks to be at least 18 to 25 months is actually for putin's birthday in a culture that doesn't care about birthday russians have don't care about birthdays guys they're not, they're not huge like birthday celebrations in, in russia it's not a thing uh so I, I'm just trying to wrap my mind. Right. Nikki, this reminds me when Nikki Haley got on on the debate stage and said, every 30 minutes you spend on TikTok makes you 17% more anti-Semitic. That's And everyone stupid. was like, where are you getting these numbers? Earlier, That's not how statistics work. Earlier when we were in a conversation with Abdul, I cited a number. I said, I believed in my recent memory there was a study, and I, I phrased it that way, which said 68% of recent migrants to Europe were Shia Muslims. And Abdul didn't press me on that because I said from a study that I can... And after that, there was someone in the live chat that's like, where are you even getting that number? So I looked it up and there is a recent Pew Research poll that actually says 68 to 80%. That's how you do statistics. You say, there's a study and if I don't have it in my head, I'll find it for you. That's how you do that. You don't write... Big, you can see the red yarn on the wall linking the photographs that Nikki Haley has here. Oh yeah, this like, is, uh, like Charlie from. This uh, is the it's establishment yeah. Rhino Corps like big candidate. Really, that's who they're putting up. Oh geez. Well, I mean, you can tell she's in the back pocket of the military-industrial complex. That, yeah, there we go. Thank you, Carl. She's in the back pocket of the military-industrial complex because she's using the 
flimsiest justification to unleash America's military might around the globe. And Nikki, you're a war hawk, you're a failure, and I certainly wouldn't vote for my mom for president who's going to spy on my social media activity. You know, Adolf and Trump both have five letters in their name. (laughs) Coincidence? I think not. On April 39th, Hitler drank water. On October the 1st, Trump also drank water. Coincidence? Wake up, sheeple. Hillary Clinton invented AIDS. Facebook. Learn the truth. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. We've, of course, got lots more to uh, cover. Well, actually, not not loads more. We only got two more segments. But stay tuned because they will surely be action-packed as we discuss. <laughs> One of the comments just said <laughs> that Haley's pulling a Shreve. Nikki Shreve, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I love that line. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. We got Kurt Darling with the news up next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Pushing the buttons and making damn fine bump music selections this after uh, this morning. Appreciate that. Um, I'm Ethan Hatcher. That's Tony Kinnett. Together, mm-hmm. we're filling in on Kendall and Casey. And I'm really disgusted by the constant gaslighting from the administration, the lies, the deception, which never seems to end. You're, Most you're still getting disgusted by gaslighting at this moment. It's like water rolling off the back of a duck for me. Like I just it, gaslighting is just a way of life. You An ju- Olympic you just swimming expect pool it at this point of gasoline. That's, Absolutely, that's disgusting. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that in stride. What's got you so ruffled, Ethan? Let's hear it. What what kind of gaslighting has gaslit you today? Well, you got um, John Kirby uh, over there, Mm. and he's making claims that the United States didn't leave any military equipment behind in Afghanistan. What are you crazy? That's just that's all made up. Here's what he said, juxtaposed with on the scene reporting all the way back from uh, 2021. Let's roll back the clock. We didn't just leave a bunch of weapons in Afghanistan. This is a fallacy, this is a farce. In Afghanistan, you see American military equipment everywhere, from weapons to Humvees to aircraft, all left behind. We're talking about billions of dollars worth of equipment. Some of it was destroyed, some of it wasn't. 
Most of the American and Afghan military equipment at Kabul's airport was destroyed by U.S. forces before they left Kabul. That's not the case for the rest of Afghanistan. There are thousands of Humvees, aircraft, and other critical pieces of military equipment left behind, now in the hands of the Taliban. Taliban intelligence officer Nazir Ahmed escorts us into Kabul's international airport. Afghan pilots ran away with helicopters, he tells us. When we got control, thanks to God, they brought them back. The Taliban now controls thousands of American-made Humvees, weapons, and aircraft. Well, whose helicopter were those then, Kirby? So I'm I'm looking at uh we we've got all kinds of stuff here. So it looks like 7.1 billion dollars in planes, trucks. We've got Humvees. We've got the modern bastardization of the deuce and a half. Uh, there are definitely still mounted weapons uh, on a lot of these vehicles and technicals. Uh, definitely several helicopters uh, of various makes and models. And no, not just ancient Chinooks, which I heard one of the liberal commentators saying earlier this week. It seems like we have indeed given uh, the group that is currently acting in a lot of ways against U.S. interests. Again, I'm thinking of the embassy attacks that have occurred in the last couple of weeks. Not to mention who may also be funneling some of that stuff to Hamas and the Houthis, as well as Hezbollah. Uh, we're literally funding our own demise. I mean, some of these Humvees are like, I mean, Humvees are garbage, by the way. Anyone out there to think like military grade is a compliment? Military grade stuff sucks. But some of this stuff is in like way better condition than a lot of National Guard units have. You've seen some of the Indiana National Guard units rolling down the road. They're tr they are desperately trying to keep those things together with like duct tape and unicorn kisses. And meanwhile, the Taliban is getting some really nice, I mean, they're APCs. Like, full-on honey badger stuff going on here. You've got Bradleys, I'm looking. This is wild. And not just that, but the servicing equipment for those vehicles. We left buku equipment. We didn't even, like, give it to Ukraine on the way out. We, oh, my gosh. I, I am so angry about right, it's this. It's gaslighting from the administration. And you had photos from the Taliban with American military equipment. If it didn't come from America, where did it come from, Kirby? <sighs> Oh, it really though, military grade stuff is awful. If someone, ever, if you're ever looking at an advertisement, it's like military grade. Avoid that. Avoid <laughs> that. That is made very shoddily. There is a reason that dudes in the service quickly upgrade as much of their own gear as possible. Um, I love 511 Tactical personally. They're someone that I, I appreciate because they don't make military grade crap. If you catch my drift. 93 WIBC, Kendall and Casey show, Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in. You want to check in with uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who it, there seems to be a little bit of disconnect in the administration between Joe Biden and the leadership and Vice President Kamala Harris. Anthony Blinken rebuking calls for an unconditional ceasefire with no requirements from Hamas, whereas on the other hand, you have Kamala Harris, who seems to be, shall we say, more sympathetic to the opposition, let's check in with uh, Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln, did you say Abe Lincoln? No, I say Abe Lincoln. I said, hey, Blinken, hold the reins, man. One of the things that's striking to me is that, understandably, everyone would like to see this conflict end as quickly as possible. Uh, but if it ends with Hamas remaining in place uh, and having the capacity and the stated intent to repeat October 7th again and again and again. That's not in the interest of Israel. It's not in the interest of the region. It's not in the interest of the world. And what is striking to me is that even as, again, we 
hear uh, many countries urging the end to uh, this conflict, which we would all like to see. I hear virtually no one saying, demanding of Hamas that it stop hiding behind civilians, that it lay down its arms, that it surrender. This is over tomorrow if Hamas does that. This would have been over a month ago, six weeks ago, if Hamas had done that. And how could it be, how can it be that there are no demands made of the aggressor and only demands made of the victim? So it would be good if there was a strong international voice pressing Hamas to do what's necessary to end this. And again, that could be tomorrow. That's always something that's lost in liberal coverage of this topic. The idea, first of all, it was Hamas that broke the ceasefire and it could be, it would be Hamas who could end this all tomorrow if they surrendered, if they laid down their arms. But no, the fingers always pointed to Israel, which is why I said earlier in the show, I'm constantly amazed that at least in America, it seems the only ethnic group which you're allowed to openly vilify and be racist towards are the Jews. So uh, to, to make this incredibly clear, uh, when you fight a war, you need to fight to win. Uh, I, I I love the the individuals that on both the American left and the right that are criticizing Israel for actually going in and, and attempting to fight a war wholesale. Uh, that are the same people who were aggravated that the United States stayed in Iraq and Afghanistan for ages for the forever war. The reason that Iraq and Afghanistan were forever wars is not because the United States went there. The reason that Iraq and Afghanistan were forever wars is because we have a Department of Defense and not a Department of War. We do not prosecute targets to the fullest extent of the United States military. The Old Testament got it right. If you're going to fight a war, win the war. If you have fight a war, if you go in there for diplomacy building and nation building, yeah. and everyone's just guys, everyone is really just the same on the inside. And uh, they did Hamas, they just need jobs. That was Obama's big argument, right? Is that ISIS, they just need jobs in Syria, and then everyone will be buddies and friends, and everything will be fine. It turns out that if you want to win a war, you have to go through and win the war. This is what screwed over Vietnam. Right. Yeah. We're going to announce our strikes. We're going to tell everyone where we are. And it got a lot of U.S. service members killed. You know what doesn't get U.S. service members killed? Fighting and winning whatever war you're a part of. And if Israel wants to go through and wipe out the Hamas terrorists and, and retake, they don't even want the Gaza Strip. They've tried to give it to everyone. If they want to retake it and govern it, good. Win the war. I'm sorry. You know what? You don't want problems. Don't start nothing. That's right. the point. Right. If you get bopped on the nose, you got to punch back that jackass twice as hard and hit him where it hurts. But you have uh, uh, nitwits like uh, Kamala Harris who believe we should be walking on pins and needles and Israel should really scale back the intensity. She's concerned, you see, because although more than 3,000 Israelis were murdered, oh, but what about the 20,000 uh, members of Hamas and the civilians that they hid behind? Uh, you know, again, pointing the finger somehow there at Israel and saying that they should... Uh, uh, scale back yeah, their and, offense. And, go ahead, yeah, play, the, play that Kamala. Thing. All right. It is important then that, and we have made clear our perspective on this, that um, th that there be a lessening of the intensity and, and more precision around how Israel um, goes after Hamas and the leadership of Hamas. And as you know, Secretary Blinken, Secretary uh, Austin have paid now repeated trips to the region to make clear our, our position on that. You want to rip that apart? I do, but I'm, I'm going to rip it apart in a slightly different way. Have you ever seen the movie The Fugitive? 
with Harrison long Ford, Tommy ago. Lee Jones. Long okay. Long time ago. So there was a point when Tommy Lee Jones is the, the the federal marshal. They're tracking one of the other prisoners that escaped along uh, at the same time as, as Harrison Ford, and they they go and they track this guy down to probably I think it looks like inner city Chicago, and uh, they they kick in the door. And anyway, the guy who's the prisoner, who is a fugitive from the law, ends up momentarily taking one of the U.S. Marshals hostage. And he's got a gun to his head. And he's saying, you know, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to do this. Here's what I want. And he starts listing a, a list of demands. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones shoots him. And afterwards, uh, after the guy who was held hostage is, you know, he's kind of like a little bit deaf in one ear. And he's like, I think you should have bargained with him. And Tommy Lee Jones leaned in and said, I don't bargain. Here's the thing. If you hide behind human shields, that's on you. It's not on the opposing force. If a SWAT team has a house surrounded and some guy is hiding behind human shields, it is not the cop's fault if the person who is holding the if the the human shields get hit. It's not. It's the person who is holding the hostages. That is the unfortunate. Wars have collateral damage. It doesn't mean you like it. It doesn't mean you approve of it. It doesn't mean that I do think that children in Palestine should be getting killed. Absolutely not. But if for a second you're going to pretend that Israel doesn't have a right to eliminate Hamas in absolutely every single way, not through diplomacy or political activism, but by prosecuting a war that was brought to them, you're, you're, you're insane. You have no idea how the world works. And quite honestly, I have no intention of listening to you whatsoever. I'm not sure whether it's insanity or disgusting dishonesty when you have Hamas firing rockets at their own hospitals and then representatives like Kamala Harris pointing the blame at Israel because they're sympathetic to that disgusting opposition and evidently believe in the elimination of the Jews. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to take the opinion of, of someone who jailed people in California actually uh, for uh, truancy and then also who spent more of her time climbing up the California political ladder on her knees than actually ah, behind the desk. I'm not it. I'm not making a joke like that. No, I, I don't I'm sorry if, if you're a whore. I don't I don't care what political aims you have to say. I got my job because of hard work and because of what I put into it, not because I spent time on my knees. Case closed. This is 93 WIBC. Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in on Kendall and Casey today. We've got one more segment to go. Don't miss a moment of the show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back to the show. It's 1148 on 93 WIBC. Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in on the Kendall and Casey show. Producer Carl, he's been doing a fantastic job running the board, beep, 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 pushing the buttons and making the show function. Tony, I've had a hell of a lot of fun today. I think we've had a great show. Yeah, I think so too. Uh-oh, turn your mic on. Yes, I think so too, if I can remember to press the on button on my microphone. It uh, almost I- went flawlessly. We were that close, Tony. We were missed it. By that much. Oh, I'm never that far from screwing up, Ethan. Uh, that's why I enjoy the uh, stress of the job so much. No, it's been a good time. I really, 
always get a kick out of uh, observing people who have no idea what they're talking about discussing policy or constitutional law. And well, you get to play those clips live on air and get to laugh at them along with the rest of Indiana. Yes. Um, speaking of laughing, are you ready to dive into Greta Thunberg, who's, of course, she's been wagging her finger, shaking her head, uh, criticizing the world, as always, for not doing enough to protect the well, whatever. I mean, you know, silly little girl skipping out of school. Now... They've got a new holiday product for you. You've heard of Elf on a Shelf, right? Okay. Well, now they've got Greta on a Shelf. This Christmas, get the fun activity your kids will love. Greta on the Shelf. Greta sees you when you're sleeping. She knows when you drive your SUV to the store instead of taking public transportation. She knows if you've been bad or carbon neutral, so be carbon neutral for goodness sake. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. Your children will love finding the Greta doll in new locations each day. When they do, she'll shame them for destroying the world. Perfect for the holiday season. Okay, kids. Can you find Greta today? Right there. There it is. Right there. Right there. Right there. You are destroying my planet. You should be ashamed. <laughs> Greta on the Shelf is programmed to detect all kinds of environmental atrocities your kids might commit. Turn that light off. Christmas, get your kids the gift that says the world is ending and it's your fault. Buy Greta on the Shelf today. Spread a little holiday misery for the whole family. Miss the opportunity to call it Thunberg on the Iceberg. Uh, well, the iceberg's not there because it's melting. Ah, so You're there destroying you go. our climate. That's good. She, she's like an Oompa Loompa that, that like didn't get hired at Willy Wonka. I'm so glad you said Oompa Loompa because oh, this no. reminded me of a parody song I made a couple years ago. She's not an Oompa Loompa. She's Veruca Salt. I want the world. You all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? I want the whole world. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. I want to lock it all up in my pocket. It's my bar of chocolate. All you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? Give it to me now. A 50% risk is simply not acceptable to us. I want today. I want tomorrow. You are still not mature enough to tell it like it is. You are failing us. Don't care how I want it now. If you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. Don't care how I want it now. Oh, hurts. Oh, hurts. It hurts my soul, my spleen. She was a bad egg. What a brat! <laughs> oh goodness gracious! I every, every I'm sorry. I every time I hear Greta, I, I just you cringe on the inside. Like you just hope, like man, I really hope that none of my kids come out like that. Right? You know what well, I'm saying? Well, I mean, like, it's just, nails on a chalkboard. Ah, uh, no. There, there are kids that you're just like, you know, you really should have been like spanked more as a child or like at all. And uh, that's like that. She should just be the picture for that advertisement. We were talking, uh, or well, I was talking with Casey Daniels yesterday about Greta Thunberg, and there's a study that was released recently, UC, which uh, connects global warming with the exhalation of human beings. The more you breathe, the more you Quick, contribute. 
to global warming. And so if Greta Thunberg wants to stem the tide of global warming, maybe she should just try holding her breath. Yeah, see see if how there, long that lasts. If there were just less people. If there were just fewer people around, the globe wouldn't be warming so much. But I'm not going to, you know, do any of the the leaving the planet. I mean, that's Jane Goodall came out and said that too. Was like, I've spent a lot of time with the gorillas, and that means I know everything. She's like, it's deep. Oh, we're overpopulated. Oh, everything's burning down. Yeah, sure. I have no idea how ocean currents work, but oh, it's all burning down. Oh no, it's terrible. Well, they're grifting off of fear and paranoia. While their private jets are right creating more carbon into the atmosphere uh, than absolutely the total number of carbon that you will produce in your entire lifetime on average. Didn't they count? I mean, this is just one of her trips. Was it, she, she took a boat, but you know, cause that was virtue signaling to some climate conference. But when you actually crunch the numbers of how the boat was manufactured and the process of getting it to her and getting her to the boat and traveling overseas, it ended up significantly contributing more carbon than if she would have just, I don't know, stayed at home. Right. And or my personal favorite, which is that, uh, all of the hydrocarbon powered vehicles and, and machinery. Mm-hmm. So whether we're talking about unleaded gas or, or diesel or, or natural gas, um, those don't compare to the environmental impact of the lithium strip mines and the cobalt mines to make the electric vehicle batteries. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, all of the slavery. And no one ever seems to care that all about all the slave labor in Africa that's literally working so hard so that you can have your electric car. Did you hear that? That was the sound of all of the uh, electric vehicles' radios just shutting off automatically. Well, they're <laughs> here to say that they're far more concerned about the slavery which took place during the eighteen you know twenties than the slavery taking place right now to produce their electric vehicles or refine the lithium. Which, yes, you're right, belches out loads of carbon into the atmosphere if that's what we're concerned about. And when you do the comparative analysis between whose net carbon uh, production has increased versus decreased, the United States has gotten lower. It's China which is exponentially grown, but it's always calls to limit the West's ability to produce. You know, I'm going to... China. I'll make this point, you know, because again, with India and China being the number one producers of this garbage around the world as far as pollution, I will remind you that the 20th century was built on the UK giving up India and China. And uh, just to, to make this very clear... Um, It's kind of hard to uh, limit or sanction a country that you no longer have control over. So, um, you know, I I don't want to hear anyone from Europe complaining that, uh, oh, these countries and their industrialism, it's so terrible. Yeah, you gave them up, Jan. I'm sorry. I don't you, you have no authority to lecture anyone. Because you can't even keep control of your imperial territories. Yeah, we could use a little bit more imperialism around here. Dang it. That's right. I abs- Dude, don't get me started. I'll, I'll sprout a Teddy Roosevelt pair of glasses and we'll go take Cuba. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. It's been a fantastic show. If you've missed a moment of the broadcast, you can find all of the podcasts for <coughs> Kendall and Casey uploaded to 93 WIBC. <coughs> What have you got coming up on your show, Tony? Get it? Well, tonight, uh, WIBC after the IU game um, is doing a special to honor the legacy of of Coach Bobby Knight, and that's what I'm going to be listening to. And so much like Radiothon, I'm going to hopefully be listening to that alongside y'all. So we will see you tomorrow night for the last episode before Quizmoise. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for hopping in the comments. It's been a wonderful time. Thank you, producer Carl, for running a fantastic board. You're going to be out tomorrow, right? 
Now, who, who we got uh, the yeah, I'm not producing uh, your show tomorrow. But okay. No, you are. You didn't get the note? <laughs> <laughs> okay, You're doing everything back. tomorrow. You Good luck. Uh, I think it's going to be me and Brad tomorrow, by the way. So if you're excited to uh, uh, hop in the seat with Brad Klopfenstein, then you definitely need to tune into the show tomorrow for Kendall and Casey. Thanks, everyone. We're wrapping up and heading out. See you next time on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.